Sutler is a crowdsourced, hyper-localized app that rewards local users exploring their local community. Sutler lets local businesses connect directly with their best customers. Locals, sharing time-sensitive deals and exclusive Sutler specials only offered on Sutler. Locals know best, not an algorithm. Sutler, trust local. You're listening to Real to Real with Coach Herb and B, a podcast that brings you community and culture with your host, Coach Herb and B. Hey, 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 what's up, y'all? This is Coach Herb, and I'm, I'm joined by my homegirl, B. And hey, everybody. Red is in the background, and we are joined by a special guest, Mr. Kevin Ford. How are you doing, yes. Kevin? How are you today? Doing well, doing well. I appreciate you all for having me. Yes, oh, welcome, mind. Kevin. I haven't seen you in years. Yeah, it's been years. forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How has it been? Be, hey, all is well. No complaints. Just you know, trying to, you know, moving from being a kid to being an adult. You know, uh-huh. and uh, oh. just uh, uh, it's been interesting, just from the pro- professional standpoint and the family standpoint, and you know, just watching that progress and trying to keep it on the right track. You know. Okay. I love your journey. It's been yeah. nice. It's been wonderful to see the whole process, man. Yep. And watching you, uh, you know, as a young black male growing up is awesome to see you excel now and be uh, presented in Forbes too, man. You know, that's pretty huge. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was uh, appreciated. But uh, it's funny, every time anybody mentions the Forbes article, I will have to say that the Black Enterprise article definitely I think was a little bit more important for us in our business. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's right. And what year did that article come that out? Was, they came out back to back. So Forbes okay. was like one week and then Black Enterprise was like two weeks later. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so I guess we're going to be um, asking you a couple of questions, but first of all, okay. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as far as like, Growing up, and you know the little quick, quick breakdown of Mr. Ford. Absolutely. So, uh, Kevin Ford Jr. Um, I'm from Prince George's County, Maryland. I'm a graduate of Morehouse College, 2011, with a bachelor's in marketing. Um, I've always been interested in business. Uh, it's kind of funny because uh, anybody who knows me knows that both of my parents are doctors, and really, I come from an entire medical family: aunts, uncles, grandparents my sister um, but I'm that odd man out but it's interesting that I found myself landing in the medical cannabis field um, Mm -hmm. and and kind of bringing that that whole medical perspective um, to a a commodity or an industry that you know really has been given a a, I guess a, a, a title that doesn't really speak medical it speaks criminal you know and a lot of what we're trying to change with Uplift is um, really just striving to increase diversity and inclusion within the emerging cannabis industry, ensuring that our community has um, the opportunity to uh, take advantage of these uh, economic opportunities that are coming up. Okay. Because that's huge, man, especially with the bill that's happening right now. Uh, yeah. 
I think that's, you know, the industry is about to explode all over, hopefully, right? Hopefully. Yeah, but, but phase one is done, right? Is that pretty much it or kind of? Is it so going? to to the, I guess, to the common eye, to the person who isn't like really fighting for equity and Black folks to really have a place in this industry, you know, yeah, it looks good. But to me, it's it's a step. And it's really some, can I cuss on here? You can a little bit, yes. A little, just a little so bit. No. So we're not, we're not going to cuss. Um, and so it, it's, it's BS. BS. It's BS. Because yes. it's, it's, it's a, it's just a, a continuation of a lot of the fanfare that we've seen in, in yeah. response to the George Floyd killing. And um, let's give him a bone. Let's give him a bone. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's where it is. So, you know, yeah, it definitely helps our community in terms of, you know, I guess moving policing away from cannabis. Um, but as far as business ownership and um, just operating within this space is concerned, it definitely has, um, it, it really doesn't do any good for us, let's say. Right. That. You know, I, I kind of have a thing, a theory, like I feel like um, the big business people rubber stamp this particular part of the bill because if they if this goes in in the direction that it's going they're going to be able to get the leg up as far as transferring over from like big tobacco to big supply of cannabis which right. i think mm -hmm. is is really what's going on and but people don't really see that because it's like oh yeah man you know they're decriminalizing it but you know well and the thing is it's already going on you right know, you see big tobacco big pharma big yep. alcohol they're funneling their money up to canada yep and then these canadian companies in turn are using that money to come back down and take over and create these multi-state operators mm -hmm. um, throughout america and so everybody, they are positioning themselves perfectly to essentially run all of North America, if not the entire world, um, on actual cannabis operations. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I mean, still, even in America, we don't have too many uh, actual cannabis stocks, you know. So I think yeah. once that opens on, on this side, that's going to be a different type of boom as well. But yeah. we just have to be ready, like I said, for all of the opportunities um, that the industry will present. Um, whether it be, you know, actual jobs or entrepreneurial opportunities or, or whatever, we just want to make sure that at Uplift, we can kind of put you in the right position to do what you want to do. Right. Yeah. And invest in all of that stuff. Because really, all, a lot of it has to do with maybe on the monetary side, because I think you have to have collateral, you know, some some sort of money to be able to invest in something like this in order to build um, a business. And that's why I feel like big business is probably going to try to, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, and then we're going to cut you off at the feet because at the root, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to grow. You're going to grow in a way that they will still have more control than anything. Right. The way right. I look at it. And that was, that's why I was, you know, people were like, oh, man, this is awesome, you know. 
But I, I was thinking, uh, yeah, but people people don't really understand. They, they don't do, people, yeah. They don't understand. And I mean, as I said, I mean, it's a, I guess a, uh, it's an it's an attempt to appease some folks. Yes, you know. Yes. And is this you know specifically targeted towards underrepresented uh, communities? Absolutely. And but it it just doesn't fix the whole problem, you know. Right. And I think even if this was to go through the Senate and become law that it's going to take some time for even policing to uh, uh, change their mindset on how their police are handled. They'll they'll probably still pull you over talking about, especially riding through the South. I smell weed in your car, boy. You need to get out, you know, Mm -hmm. like, nah, that's not, that's (laughs) not how this is anymore, you know, and we see the same thing even happening with the hemp industry and um, hemp is federally legal, but the thing is, police are having such a hard time policing against that versus cannabis, and that's why you see states like North Carolina who have um, outlawed cannabis flower sales or smokable hemp. Um, so it's it's a fine line between how this is really going to be, you know, the intent of the intent of law is never how it's implemented, you know. Yeah. So we just need to ensure that we keep. Um, these legislators and other bodies who have a part in this process accountable um, to what is actually going on and and making sure that everybody is, is still on that wave of the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think like other countries are way ahead because like, it's funny because like there's in Portugal, I think there's like, they don't even, they don't even arrest you for like, heroin mm-hmm. like they don't have they don't they don't i mean not saying that that stuff is good but i'm just saying like cannabis is like the least of their problems you know they're worried about guys getting robbed right right <laughs> it's almost that. it's almost like that that approach from the wire you know, right they created mm-hmm. you know that neighborhood where they say hey we're gonna just let everything go in the free zone here mm-hmm. you know and uh countries as well as even cities in the united states i think portland oregon just passed something like that where they're that no they longer yeah. um uh policing on drugs and just taking that as a, a mental health issue now right um so i think that's really the the way that you're going to start seeing a lot of different local municipalities and hopefully states and hopefully the country at some point change from you know this war on drugs to the the uh the repair from the war on drugs yeah and really funnel that that uh, these tax dollars that are inevitably going to be coming up from cannabis to go and fight these these issues that uh, essentially reversing the issue that they put us in in the first place. In the first know? place. Yep. It's wild to see it kind of hopefully come to the forefront, though. Yeah. I know. So we're gonna go. We're gonna get real. Mr. Ben has got some in-depth questions. We're we're kind of the ones that ask the silly ones, and Ben asks <laughs> real ones. <laughs> ben, go ahead, sir. Thanks, Coach. Um, so, Kevin, I was um, interested when I was looking, um, doing some research on you. I saw that on your, I believe it was Instagram page. You mentioned that you're a cannabis diversity advocate. So I was kind of curious listening to you speak it definitely i'm starting to get an indication what that might mean but are you able to kind of put better into words what that means absolutely so i mean just advocating is more so 
of educating being an educator and making sure that um, folks understand your point of view. You know, and my point of view is that diversity is important within the cannabis industry and um, at all levels and not just diversity, but equity, most importantly, um, especially when uh, it's been these diverse groups that have been most harmed by the war on drugs. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just want to make sure that I'm putting myself at the forefront um, to fight uh, for for those like me who may not have had the types of resources and things that I have who might be sitting in jail for a pound of weed right now, you know? Right. Um, so I just want to make sure that from the social equity to social justice that we're pushing um, these government bodies forward in the right direction. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And uh, to that point, you have started a business called Uplift um, to, you know, really facilitate um, that. So it's not hopefully just you. I hope that there's a team behind you helping, um, you know, progress and move forward in, in the industry uh, and to help people. Can you uh, explain a little bit more um, what Uplift is and how uh, it is a resource for people who are maybe looking to, you know, learn more about the, the industry? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started Uplift in, I think, August of 2018. I had just become a medical cannabis patient myself in June. And I realized how hard that process was to kind of just register and actually get certified, find the doctor and everything. And the and I also knew that, you know, I always had a passion for the cannabis industry. And I knew that I wanted to do something. And even at one point, I wanted to move out west just to, to be in the industry. So mm-hmm. ended up not moving out there. Then 2015, uh, these cannabis applications open up. So I'm getting excited. I know that different businesses are going to be coming, but not being ready for that licensing process at the time, I have been thinking like, okay, what other ways can I get in the industry? You know? And then when I became a patient, I realized how hard it was, like I said, to, to really figure that out. So I started Uplift first and foremost to be a, a resource for potential patients um, because being a patient myself and just being a, a social cannabis guy, I want people to smoke how I'm smoking, you know? And so I wanted to walk people through that process. And that's exactly what we did. Um, thinking the the first year we actually certified over a hundred patients and that was really without any advertising, just straight word of mouth. And um, it, it's been going well ever since. And going back to what I said earlier about my, you know, my family being a medical family, um, my dad is actually one of the main docs who does our certifications for us. Okay. Um, so I was going to ask um, you that. I like that. Yep. It's a yep. little and bit can, of like a talk family a, business right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can talk a little bit more about my parents too and how, you know, all that comes along a little later. But um, so after I actually started Uplift, I went and worked at a dispensary. I stopped working at the county government and um, again, realized that I really had a different level of knowledge about the cannabis plant and the cannabis business than my peers did. So um, there was an opportunity to apply for a grant um, from the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission, which we won uh, to develop and implement a business development and training program for minorities and women who were interested in applying for a grower and processor licenses last year in 2019. And through that process, we trained approximately Uh, 10% of all applicants, and we actually had one person win in each category. Um, So it's really exciting 
from on the back side of it to see that we had a program that really kind of impacted some folks in, in some sort of a way. Um, then after that, we actually won another contract to develop the dispensary training curriculum for the state of Maryland. So we've been doing that. Um, earlier this year, we hosted the industry's first uh, cannabis diversity symposium, um, where we had about almost 500 attendees and 70 plus diverse speakers from throughout the country um, talking on various topics. And uh, now, you know, through this COVID environment, trying to figure out how do we uh, switch this to more of a, a virtual format um, that makes sense for everybody, you know, mm -hmm. not just for the the customer, but also for us and making sure we're not, you know, expending too much time on doing certain things when we could be doing other things to make additional revenue, you know? So uh, we actually are in the process now of creating a uh, membership uh, uh, platform um, that's more of a subscription model for people to um, basically have a one-stop shop for all this cannabis information, whether it be basic general information or information about your individual state. Um, so that's what we've been working on and uh, that's where we're at today. I think that's nice, a nice virtual library right there for people to refer to. You know, I would have never thought that Maryland would be into that growing up from <laughs> how you yeah. saw um, that whole process go. Yeah. But And how, how does, how, you know, I know that you mentioned something about your parents um, and basically your whole family because yeah how does that process that, work yeah the whole family is pretty much in in the medical field mm -hmm. and so um when you let, let's just go back several years and be like hey so how did you approach your parents when when you were thinking about going into this field because like you know some some medical people are like no 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 this hesitant but mm -hmm. yeah very hesitant because because of the laws and and other things so when you but on top of that they're your parents right <laughs> yeah you know how do you approach them as like being your son and i want to do this and yeah. on top of that as a business well i i would say that cannabis and well my interest in cannabis was no surprise to them at this time you know i had i've been a cannabis user since 2007 so um i i they know you know but and with that knowing they hated it you know <laughs> and then being doctors that that were trained and watched all of the crime that went on around drugs in dc because they both right. trained at howard they um they saw what was going on you know and they they didn't they still equated everything that had to do with drugs, even if it was cannabis to that, right. you know? And that's where, again, it's on me to be an advocate for it and really to help educate them on what's going on. You know, my, my dad, I was able to kind of bring him along first. He saw the laws changing. And um, even before we started doing certifications, I tried to get him to sign up and he wouldn't do it because he didn't know that there were already certain protections in place for um, uh, uh, docs to not be penalized for writing these certifications because he okay. still thought they weren't even supposed to legally, you know? Right. And then, you know, just educating him on everything that there is, the protections. And then he started to kind of 
get a little bit more interested but Mm -hmm. it 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 wasn't until I really until I started working at the dispensary and the dispensary owner is actually my little sister's best friend uh Hope Wiseman who started Mary and Main Dispensary Uh, she's actually the youngest black woman in America to own a dispensary uh and it's in it's in Capitol Heights Maryland um but it wasn't until she had her grand opening where my dad went into the dispensary and kind of saw what it looked like and how it wasn't this isn't like a you know a hole in the wall spot right right somebody is just selling drugs out the back <laughs> out the back hole in the wall or something yep. you know and um and he, he realized how nice of an establishment it was he was like you know what this is actually a real business this is crazy that this is like this let me see what, what else is going on so then um we had already started uplift at this point been doing certifications and then he finally came on board started doing them and then the rest was history from there but now my mom you know she's still like a surgeon she's on call she sees people getting shot up all the time for drug stuff you know and it still didn't sit well with her um it wasn't until i won the grant that she could see that this was something Mm-hmm. Um, because because in her mind well she's also an educator she's the associate dean for academic affairs at the Howard University College of Medicine and um, she so when I was able to say hey mom I want this grant to teach people about this you know it's like wait what the government is going to give you money to do this <laughs> oh wow you might have something here right <laughs> you know and uh, so it was in it was actually at Thanksgiving dinner where I kind of like, we hadn't talked about it even in the slightest bit. Cause I didn't want to like tip her anyway. And I, I won the grant though, the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. So I went in, I went into Thanksgiving so excited and proud yeah. and, yeah. and you know, you could kind of see she was uncomfortable with the conversation, but at the end she was like, you know what? Good luck. Like you yeah. are doing something, you know? Right. And, and that meant so much to me, too, just with my past with cannabis and, you know, just how that has just kind of affected our relationship to a certain extent. Not hugely, but, you know, just the way that we interact and with cannabis and all that. So um, it was good for her to just say, hey, look, I like what you're doing. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. You know, that meant a lot to me. Support is definitely a big, yes. big thing. Yeah. Big step up. Um and all of that. So. I think that's awesome that you got yeah. your family on board um, and that you were able to work at the establishment that you worked at in Capitol Heights, Maryland with the youngest. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, owner, it's great. Right? It's great. Like, you know, the support. I don't think that they're, they're smoking, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, they're not. They're not. Yeah. But, but they're, they're definitely being supported. supporting me. Yeah. See, and this is why, why we talk about advocacy. You got to educate them, right? Right. So mm-hmm. we've been, you know, they, you know, they've got aches and pains and stuff. So I'm like, well, hey, you know, you don't need to smoke any cannabis, but we do have this balm that yeah. you can rub on as lotion. And I think yes. this will help you, you know? And I'm like this close on my dad. He's. <laughs> He's almost there. He's tempted, right? Because, I mean, <laughs> uh-huh. if you think about it, like, I'm sure he's also had to, like, you know, look at patients that have had issues with joint pain yeah. and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're probably like, man, I've been taking this opioid for how long? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it's, it's still and, not yep. taking care of what it needs to take care of. All it's doing is just relief, relieving the pain, not actually, mm-hmm. you know, 
but and that is the, the side effects thing. of and, yeah and why and why really my dad is even more of a believer now is because he's seen it at work he yep. sent mm-hmm. these patients and certified them sent them to the dispensary now they're coming back you know uh for for their follow-up appointment or maybe even a year later like doc like i've, I've never like felt this good yeah. ever right yeah. you know yeah. And when you see that start to that change start to happen in your own patients, it it'll change something in yourself, you know? right? Because I mean, literally this upcoming season, the NBA is not um, testing for cannabis. Um, I saw that. I yeah. saw that, and that was really, in in my opinion, in response to the um, vote by the United Nations yep. earlier mm. this week to mm-hmm. take cannabis off of the dangerous drugs schedule. Schedule, yeah. yeah. Which so that, is, I mean, you know, in retrospect, like, a lot of, like, there's advocates in the in sports mm-hmm. that are really not about just smoking it, but it's for because, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of athletes that are prescribed painkillers mm-hmm. to get rid of pain during the season like they'll right. they'll prescribe and you know i mean i hate to go back to like a name like brett Favre was hooked on opioids for mm-hmm. a long time because you know he he literally did not miss a game because right. but you got aches and pains you know you gotta you get hit hard and yeah. you know he was on opioids for a long time and and obviously and, after and, he retired then he started talking about it but like there's other players that are going, you know what, man, I'm not, I'm not going to stick myself with, I'll put this in my body knowing that 15 years from now, my liver is going to be shot from taking these pills. So many of these pills, Mm -hmm. all my kidneys are going to shut down, you know what I'm saying? So, and then even from the football perspective, you know, talking about CTE and just looking at cannabis and CBD and yeah, looking at how it's actually uh in research studies starting starting to show as a neuroprotecting yes right? so if people yes. are able to like preventively care for themselves um before going and taking this head trauma that yes. they're taking every saturday or sunday mm-hmm. you know i think that also takes you to another level too i was on a panel with marvin washington forgot what team he played for but i think he won a, a super bowl as well um he was saying like really how important it was or or how much they have been fighting for the NFL to actually allow players to use cannabis or at least CBD um, in their, their treatment regimen so that they can, you know, put less harm to their body. As you said, how all these, uh, you know, these painkillers are are really uh, um, really doing a a, a number on folks' organs. Go ahead. Sorry about that. I think Marvin, I want to say Baltimore Ravens, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, but like, yeah, because if you think about it, like like you said, with the whole head trauma stuff, you know, a lot of these players are saying mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, it, it definitely helps. And if the NFL would get on board, the problem with the NFL is they're still not educated as far as like the owners and and the higher ups are not educated in that way to understand what the benefits are. So they're still working on that, which I think they will come around if the laws do start changing, 
You know, mm-hmm. they, they think that it's going to go get wild and crazy and they're just going to have guys walking, walking into practice with, you know, <laughs> With a blunt man. With a blunt man. <laughs> and, and that's not the case. Like, uh, they a might lot not be walking in the practice, but they might be rolling. They might up be to in the, the car, car, exactly. Right. <laughs> Get out yeah, that's that's out. not the image yet. You know, they open the car door and, you know, so I think that's, that's the image that they're getting versus, you know, instead of actually looking at it in a, you know, medicinal purpose. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, aches and pains. I, yeah, I don't... my mother-in-law uses a like a balm because she has arthritis and she has had um, ankle surgery not too long ago and whatnot. And she had the balm that you were talking about, and she's just able to rub it on her joints on and kind of let it be for a little bit. Yep. And she says yeah. it has helped her so much compared to taking a pill. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. You know, for those people who don't want to eat it or smoke it or whichever right. is revving right. in. And I mean, the, the topical really doesn't give you um, any psychoactive effect either. So it's not like you're going to get high off of it. Um, it's really just going to go straight into your muscles and give you the relief that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So one exactly. thing I noticed when looking um, at your uh, social media, as well as, um, you know, just listening to us talk, I feel like there's a very um, uh, purposeful use of cannabis instead of any other term for um, for that because you know a lot of people call it marijuana and things like that and, you, and I, I personally for me I feel like a lot of people call it you know medical marijuana but literally everything I've seen on yours is referring to as cannabis so I was kind of interested to see is that uh, an intentional thing since being an advocate I know uh, a lot of that you want to be very, you know, using the correct terms and not using, not necessarily slang, but not using, you know, dumbing down the terms. You want to be very, you know, exactly professional about how it's being used and what it's for. So I was kind of interested if there's a, if that's a, something that you're able to talk a little bit about. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, really, if you look back to when the term marijuana was first being used, it was, um, really as a a derogatory term, mostly within the, um, the Latino community, you know, Um, and I think now when we start to educate ourselves even more about the history of the prohibition of cannabis, I think it's just important to use the correct terminology, Um, not only just for the sake of people's feelings, Um, but also just for the sake of science, you know, and if you, um, I mean, really with cannabis, what cannabis is, it's like the overarching category, right? But then within that you have hemp and you have, well, hemp and marijuana, right? But that's really broken down into cannabis, ruderalis, cannabis, indica, cannabis, sativa, right? Um, And if all of those are called cannabis, 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 why are we not just saying like, this is cannabis, you know? So that's, that's been my outlook on it but also i would say that we started this company in maryland and the state of maryland and the maryland medical cannabis commission um the state is very intentional about using the word cannabis as well and that was a lot of our decision to um, be so strong on that word is to be in line um with our state at the time um but as I said earlier, you definitely have to look at the historical context and realize that that word wasn't used in a proper way. Um, so I would prefer to almost call it weed 
before I would want to call it marijuana. Okay. Awesome. Had no idea, but that's, that's kind of why I wanted to ask. That is very interesting. Yeah. yeah, It it seemed very intentional. And, you know, I wanted to kind of clarify that for a lot of people, because I do feel, you know, it's, you know, very common term that a lot of people use, but if it's not the correct one, let's inform people. Right. And I mean, shoot, certain states like Michigan, they say marijuana. Um, A lot of, uh, even New Jersey, they say marijuana. Uh Um, So it's, it really just depends, you know, on where you're at. But um, if you're talking to a lot of the diversity uh, advocates in the industry, they're likely going to call it marijuana. I mean, they're likely going to call it cannabis. Sorry about that. Okay. Would you, what are some common misconceptions that you hear or maybe have experienced since you are going around talking to lots of different people and, you know, basically trying to uh, either get them on board with what you're trying to do, whether it be to doctors or when you're speaking to uh, patients or business owners who want to get into this field, what are some things that, you know, right off the bat, you just have to kind of, it's like almost like your first talking points that you say, because you just know that's probably what's going on in their head. I mean, it's, I wouldn't even say it's really just like any, well, it's not, anything like any specific things I think the overarching issue is just the fact that this stigma negative stigma lies over cannabis and what it is and how it's been treated in police for years and I think number one we need to stop looking especially as the black community in particular we need to stop looking at cannabis as a commodity and start looking at cannabis as a um as an industry you know that is surrounding this plant, you know? And that's another thing we need to uh, educate people on is that this is a plant, it grows from the earth. And there are certain ways that it can be maneuvered to have certain effects and, and also realizing that anybody who uses cannabis is essentially self-medicating, you know? and not necessarily doing drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we need to take it from that, again, mental health aspect versus criminal justice aspect um, when we're looking at this plant. Um, So I think that's that's the biggest thing. Um, But I mean, going into, I guess, some other granular thoughts, really looking at the black church too and looking at how um we like in the in the faith-based community it's pretty much like taught it's it's almost like not talked about right now you know um but at the Mm -hmm. same time whether if you're not talking about it you're also still holding people back who are waiting for the church's permission to say that cannabis is okay you know Mm-hmm. And I, I, I understand personally that the church is probably the biggest piece to this puzzle. Because if we bring the church along with this, then the money comes along with this. Because that's where the black money is held within the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these white folks have all the money, no disrespect to Ben. These white <laughs> folks have all the money who are, who are literally... Um, um, and I mean, in the, in the white community, it's like, it's spread out. You know what I'm saying? Individuals have that type of wealth and capital. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are certain institutions within our community that are holding all of this capital, yes. you know, for the good of the community. And although people, churches are doing good stuff in the community, you know, what is really going to take 
um, black folks to the next level. Right. And it's economic opportunity, right? And we should be focusing these dollars on ensuring that our uh, communities are afforded the opportunity to get into um, whatever industry they want to get into, you know? And if the church is the, the, the holder of the real cash, then we need to, we need to be pressing on the church to really like, to really get behind what's going on. Because again, we need to stop looking at this as a commodity and look at it as an industry. Industry. Because there's a money making opportunity here, and if we don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. And then oh, hundred years later, we're going to be Absolutely. in the same position, you know, the same position again. So this is this is our opportunity and chance right now um, to to change the scope of black wealth in this country. Mm-hmm. I think all the way around. Yeah, I I th- I think it's really nice that you're talking about building a community and bringing people together that, you know, normally are not necessarily, you know, separated, but, you know, there are faith-based people, there may be people who aren't, uh, people who, you know, see the uh, cannabis as one thing and and don't realize the full scope of it. And I was kind of interested to hear about what, um, what things that you want to do or that you are doing either through Uplift or yourself um, to br- bring those people together. I noticed in the, in, the, in one of the articles it ta- you talked about, um, trying to get people to come together and um, create a community and not be so separate. So I was kind of interested in what things are you looking to do or have you already done to, to try and help foster that sense of community? So I think that first step was the Cannabis Diversity Symposium that we did in June and having those 70 plus diverse speakers from across the country all together on, on one stage essentially was huge. Um, it, it, it allowed, it brought I think it brought black excellence within this industry to the forefront. And it's like, you wouldn't have known that a lot of these people existed or are doing the things that they're doing unless you would have saw them on this stage or any other conference stage, you know? But I think it was important for Uplift to um, have the the diverse mix of speakers that we did to kind of start this conversation, you know? And once we continue to do this conference annually, you know, we're going to start to see certain things shift and certain mindsets of our community shift um, because we're going to continue, I hope, to add more people to this community as the years go on. And the other important step to this is the um, membership subscription platform that I mentioned, because that has the community aspect where people can, essentially, it has like a Facebook group type of um, mm-hmm. method where folks can go in, talk about different topics, post different news articles, and really keep up with what's going on in um, in their area. And then on the national scale, we'll have, you know, our partners, such as like Minorities for Medical Marijuana, the Minority Cannabis Business Association, Women Grow, and uh, National Cannabis Industry Association, and, and many other of these organizations that, that are all going to be, you know, kind of right here on this platform, or at least reachable, so that people have uh, avenue to the the different contacts and connections that they're looking for to put them where they want to be. Awesome. That's great that you have so many contacts and that you yes. have so many resources to be able to pull from to bring um, to people's attention because it is sometimes um, difficult to to start something brand new that you've never done. As you mentioned kind of with your dad to try and get him into, you know, seeing this side of 
you know, of cannabis and not just what, you know, maybe he's grown up hearing and, and, and knowing about from a doctor's perspective to seeing uh, patients who, you know, uh, uh, other things that have kind of come up. Um, my last question, which is kind of a fun one. Um, I saw also on your page, uh, your home brewer, <laughs> Bianca, myself, big, big, big into beer. Uh, you probably know oh, that about me. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're slowly converting coach. Uh, uh, but I was kind of interested to see what, uh, what is it that you are actually brewing at home and uh, what do you kind of prefer to, to drink? Um, so the last thing we brewed was um, <laughs> actually it was, we called it the Keefe Double. It was a double IPA that we infused with Keefe um, during, during the secondary. Were you able to get three sips or what, what is that? That sounds so intense. With yeah absolutely you know. and so it was crazy you know when we were doing the dmv black parties um we had um a we basically had a, a, a like a game night type of party where we had it in the keg everybody was drinking it the whole party and it was it was it was lit it was definitely a great time but um it was that was also hard too because you had to like really use your thermometer and make sure that you put the keef in at the right temperature so that you don't burn off all the cannabinoids and terpenes and make sure that you get the full effect from it. Um, so that was fun to do, but I've also brewed a black IPA, which is actually my favorite style because I am I love stouts, I love IPAs. And even if you, you can catch me at a brewery probably mixing their stout and their IPA together just to to get that type of flavor. Yeah. Um, the, the good the good hop and, and roast, you know? <laughs> So, that, that um, sounds more like my speed. That is your speed. <laughs> yeah, that's that that's your it. Speed. That's I like, it. I like the I like the stout and uh, he'll take it with a nice glass of whiskey right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I and I see one of the other questions is um about like spirits too. I don't drink spirits at all, y'all. Really? I can't. I can't. I <laughs> not anymore. I haven't drank I haven't drank liquor since like it might have been 2013. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. I thought you were going to say like, you know, I've been good for like a year since quarantine. Yeah. It's been good, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking like, yeah, now I'm 7 years in. Wow. Hey. Yeah. Congratulations. I was a sleepwalker man. though. That's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the beer life is so much better. I feel like it as is. I grow, it is. you know, it as is? an adult, it just feels much better, coach. I can't be out here okay. just liquored up. Man, right. I got to I got to take it easy. I am a big IPA fan so I like but I like juicier IPA so I like New England style I mm. um I think when I see a nice cloudy IPA it sets me into a nice mood where I feel like ooh, this takes me yeah, I want to yeah. be on somebody's beach or something you know, know it just tastes mean. refreshing that's all right coach you can learn too. that's right <laughs> hazy is where it's at mm-hmm. uh, oh boy here we go <laughs> Um, IPAs, yeah. Coach, I mean, oh, you like stouts and whatnot? Those yeah, I do like stouts too much. I do like stouts. And Ben yeah. is a sour man. Ben's okay. all over the place. Don't let him fool you. Oh. <laughs> so with the sour. with the stouts, do you like do you like like bourbon barrel aged stouts? Yes, or? sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. I already knew that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said you said whiskey with a, a black IPA. I said you might as well make it a bourbon barrel. Yes, sir. I'm yes. all about that. Yes. I think I had some at what brewery we went to, right? Which was uh, at Settle Down. Settle Down. When we went to Settle, Settle Down, Down Easy Brewery, Brewing, they uh, which is, which is another one as well as Bell, uh, Beltway. Yeah. 
so I mean, you know, I don't know whether you would you would even think about branching off and doing a little bit of that as well because collaborating. Like, we need yeah, we need we need some um some black breweries out there. I don't know how is it do they have a few out so, there? Uh, we haven't. We don't have any in Maryland. I don't think. Nope. No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. What a shocker! So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's probably one person a week that tells me I should have my own brewery. And we're gonna. You have two more, so <laughs> you might want right. to. <laughs> right. You might be doubling up, man. You might be a busy fella. So pre-warn the wife and be like, "Sorry, honey, I'm gonna be working my butt off." <laughs> Yeah. She should right she'll be right the there time. working too. Yeah. Right. So hey, you know, right now is the time. You know, it is the time because I keep on. That's the one thing that I do hear about breweries, and I mean, obviously in Maryland, if you are able to like, if the the cannabis industry keeps going the way it's going, that could be something that could marry itself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, in the brewery aspect and. Uh, are you all yeah i was gonna say are you all able to like smoke inside of a public place at all or like are you able to do any of that uh so well i would say it depends right Mm -hmm. so if you are at if you're at a restaurant that allows like cigarette smoking You still can't do it, <laughs> but <laughs> if but the thing is, but leeway. but what you can do, and this is where the law is is funky, is the law says that you can't smoke in your car, you can't smoke in public places, you can't smoke outside in public, um, but smoking and vaping in the context of legality are two different things. So you can actually vape anywhere in Maryland except for in Prince George's County. And the only exception here is MGM. Mm. Oh, that's wild. That yeah. is wild. Why did they exclude Prince George's County and why well, is it only well, no, in MGM? Prince, Prince George's County has a no vaping, no sm- smoking law uh, for indoors or any type of public place. Okay. Okay. That's it. But but could you have a private um, like private lounge or something that is that is a, a, a consumption lounge? As long as it's only patients in there, you can actually do it. And okay. um, but, you know, there's it. That's going to be a gray area type of thing yeah. where somebody's going to have to put some legislation in either way to mm-hmm. keep it going or to kill it. Um, But I'm actually on uh, a co-chair for the social consumption subcommittee um, on the state regulations committee at the NCIA, National Cannabis Industry Association. And that's a lot of what we're talking about is trying to develop some type of, uh, I guess, best practice for legislators to create these social consumption laws in their state. Um, So it's something that I think that we'll see coming soon. Um, But it's it's. it's going to take a little bit. Yeah. You're awesome, man. Yeah. That is I think, I think, so much. I think the educational part of it is really what people need to hear. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people always go, oh, my God, drugs. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's but the first thought. The, when tough. you hit the black church, though, that was spot on. Like, yeah, spot yeah. on. And, and another another way, though, and just uh, when you said that, it made me think another way to really touch somebody with cannabis. And most people that have been touched with cannabis, and even looking back at my dad's story and when he really got touched, it was because he saw his patients coming back to him, right, in a different mindset, different feeling, yeah, feeling better. You know, it's almost and it's almost where you have to set up a Yelp for cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> so, and shout shout out to uh, my my guy Otha. He started a app called Tetragram, okay, um, which is it's basically like your cannabis journal where you can input the different cannabinoids and terpenes of the different strains that you consume, so that you can keep like a running record of you know what you're actually what you like and what you don't like, really, right. That's like yeah, because it, that's another thing that affects you differently, right? Is that is that because you know I never knew that growing up. I heard, oh, you know, if you do it, you're gonna be stuck like Chuck, mm-hmm. right, and stuff like that, or you know. And so there's also I'm hearing now that there's different effects of cannabis as to you know kind of get you going, kind of like you know stuff to settle you down. Mm-hmm. to you know help with like aches and pains and all of that stuff i did not know that you know it was that deep into it you know mm-hmm. right and different so, styles of yeah so that you know, actually you know, and then and, and and affects people differently so you do have to find your niche if mm-hmm. you are Absolutely. yeah so mm-hmm. but one thing that i will say that um once you really get into it, and especially when you have like cannabis from the dispensary that tells you the whole palette of what's in it, cannabinoids and terpenes, those terpenes become really important because, um, well, what terpenes are, they're basically, it, it's the smell or the, uh, um, they have certain tastes. So like linalool, for, for example, you would find in lavender. Limonene, you would find in uh, lemons. Then there's okay. myrcene, and myrcene is actually found in hops. Oh right? wow! Hmm. Look yeah. at that. So Look at that then. So yeah. and myrcene is where you'll find high levels of myrcene within, um, you know, different indicas. But then there are certain um, one-offs like a sativa, like sour diesel, that has a high level of myrcene. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, but if you want to be energetic, you know, then you'll probably go to the limonene. And the linen rule, it'll calm you down, cool you out, you know. Yeah, um, you go. Lavender. Mm-hmm. So See, just the way that gotta, there got to be like a section. I'm trying to try to tell you somebody needs to set that up. He just told up. you to create a book for us real quick so we can reference. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> like, like you need like, you know, a quick, quick book of like, hey, how what does this mm-hmm. do for you? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would enjoy that and actually start to understand it better mm-hmm. if there is work, you know. To because terpenes doesn't technically, or not technically, but it's not, it doesn't hold your THC, correct? You can use that as just a uh, flavor in a sense, right? To... Okay. Cor- correct, but yeah. um, it's not like, you're not going and putting terpenes on the flower though. Like these yeah. terpenes are naturally grown through that process. Through that know? process. Mm-hmm um and um yeah it's 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 very interesting once you start to like dive into the cannabinoids and terpenes or even on the cannabinoid side you know people always talk about thc uh cbd 
Mm-hmm. But number one, I think the most important important one, especially for medical patients, is THCA because that's the one that you'll see has that high number next to it. It might be, you know, 20, 30, 35%, you know, mm-hmm. but that's not what the actual THC is. Like, in, in fact, there will be a, like a small THC number too, like 0.1 all the way up to like one or two, maybe even depending on the flower. Um, but what you do is you would essentially take that THCA number, multiply it by 0.877 and then add the THC to get the total THC. And I know I just, Throughout a whole you just blew of, my like, mind. Yeah, that was, <laughs> but I didn't even get my calculator out. To do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, essentially, I get it. essentially like, if you, you have know. 10% THCA, but you know, your actual THC level is going to be uh, 8.7% plus if there's any other THC in it, you know? Okay. So. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's it's a whole. Yeah. I can talk about this stuff all day long. Y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, we'll listen to it. My last question uh, before I ask you to once again let everybody know about your business and uh, how they can get in contact with you is: Have you seen um, CBD and the beer concept come together? We've started to see that people are now giving you a little vial of CBD, and they're you know saying, you know, go ahead and drop a little bit into your beer. And have you done that or have you seen that happen? So um, we're seeing across the country um, in certain medical and recreational states um, where they're trying, people have been trying to infuse beer for a long time. A lot of the issue is, you know, removing that alcohol um, to an acceptable level and then making sure that the THC and CBD remain. Not to mention, it's very hard because through that brewing process, you know, it gets hot. So um, it burns off a lot of those Mm. THC and CBD molecules at certain levels. Um, But to answer your question, I have tried um, a THC and a CBD beer at, um, I think it's called like New Woo Cannabis Lounge out in Las Vegas. And it's a, a consumption lounge out there. And they actually have a, a THC beer there and it was weird though it like coats your tongue and your teeth it, it just it uh it's not regular beer you know no. but it's uh I feel like it just sounds it's like it's um like you go there specifically to try that and just don't drink anything else and that's it you're going to try that have y'all heard of you know flying dog obviously mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so they um actually have a partnership with a Maryland company called Geely Um, to create a CBD and and THC uh, beer. However, they can't do that due to their licensing. Mm. You know, you you would have to have a whole separate processing license um, to have a facility to do that. And you're actually not able to have more than one processing facility um, as a company. So um, it's, Mm. it's really no way to make that happen right now. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Well, Laws I think, yeah, <laughs> that, we're realizing that, right? Yeah. 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 At the end of every episode, we love to promote small businesses. So we want you to take the moment um, and go ahead and tell everybody how they can get in contact with you and where to find your information. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, I'm Kevin Ford Jr., CEO of the Uplift Companies. Um, you can find us on 
the web, upliftmaryland.co. You can also look out for Uplift United coming soon. That will be upliftunited.org. Um, and this drops in January, correct? So Uplift, upliftunited.org. Um, and then on Instagram, you can find us at, uh, at uplift.maryland um, or at uplift.united. And uh, you can follow me too, at K4Junior on everything. Holla at me. I'm around. K4Junior at everything. I like that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I noticed that you are um, a fraternity brother, right? I am. Okay, so how does that, how does that bode with um, all your brothers? Yeah. I mean, you know, people, people smoke weed. You know, I mean, I would say my chapter in particular, though, you know, we're right here, French Orders County. We have a lot of people with clearances and stuff. Right. So it's not necessarily something that everybody can, you know, take part in. But I would right. say that 100 percent of them are, are very proud of, you know, how I've represented myself in this space and yeah. how I've represented the fraternity, too, even yeah. within this space. Um, so and, and that's another thing I think even. The, the Black Greek letter organizations really play a large part in, yeah. Yeah, um, in all this too. And yeah. they've been very uh, uh, vocal when it comes to uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. And mm -hmm. um, I think that we're in a position to really do some good. So I'm yeah. looking forward to the future of how the industry and you know those organizations can uh, collaborate. Collaborate, yes. collaborate like on that. that. Collaborate yep. and hold it. Yep. And on that um, note, yes, sir. We are very appreciative of you giving us a yes. lot of education, which you know sometimes we we look over. But um, and, we really appreciate you, know, you coming yeah, on, man. It's an honor to have on. you on. Right, I appreciate you all for having me. Yeah. I love uh, talking to my good folks, and yes. uh, let me know if I can uh, be of assistance to you all in, in any way in the future. I hope that you all can actually join us in some of our events that we're having. Um, I Absolutely, didn't mention this. Man. We actually host a community series uh, event, which is educational every last Tuesday of the month. Um, okay. So you can find that on our website, upliftmaryland.co slash community. And uh, when you sign up there, we'll send you the, the registration link. And is that like right now, I'm assuming it's probably a Zoom event? Correct. It's okay. held on Zoom. Well, okay. it has been oh. held on Zoom, um, but some of our events are also held on this new events platform called Hopin as well. Okay. Um, so mm -hmm. I will, uh, you know, I'll definitely send you all the information so that yes. you'll be send aware. Yes, the information. We'll put it out yep. there. Educate, educate, yeah, educate. It. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you both. On that note, we all would right. like to say. That's right. Until so next time. Yes, indeed. Have a good one. All right, you too, man. Bye. All right, brother. The Real to Real podcast is presented by Herbert Williams Beffo and Bianca Miskaitis. Our producer is Ben Runyon. Our technical director is Nick Patry. Audio and video lead is Megan Kotner. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and like us on Facebook and Instagram at Real to Real and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or anywhere else podcasts are found. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. It's been Real with Coach Herb and B.